An anthropologist is sent to Haiti to discover how a man who was declared dead and then buried shows up alive and well seven years later. What he discovers is a world forgotten by modern society, a world of black magic that makes the impossible possible. Now touched by this voodoo, Dr. Dennis Allen cannot escape the grasp of the darkness that has claimed him as its own. And the scariest part? It's all based on a true story. Today we're diving deep into the world of voodoo in 1988's The Serpent and the Rainbow. I'm Connor Zagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, listeners. This is episode 39, our first Wes Craven movie, and the last one before next week's episode 40, Harry Potter Extravaganza. Don't miss it, it'll be a blast. Last week's Patrick Wilson combo of In the Tall Grass and Watchmen was a lot of fun, and Watchmen purists may be happy to learn that I have finally started reading the graphic novel. (laughs) So far, I love it. It's really cool, uh, beautifully drawn. Hell yeah. And pretty damn close to the movie. Like, Zack Snyder... That's fantastic news. Pretty, yeah, spot on. There's some little stuff, but it's minor so far. I'm sure it'll get worse. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> so, today's episode is going to be dark. The Serpent and the Rainbow, based on a true story of a scientist who learned more than he bargained for. I've got a quick, uh, quick rewind for you, just one update, a bonus um, update on bonus 10, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Season 5 of Better Call Saul finally has a release date. It'll begin on Sunday, February 23rd, 2020. Woo! Can't fucking wait. This is the season we've been waiting for, where Jimmy McGill is dead. It is Saul Goodman now. Yeah, it's Saul Goodman. <laughs> Attorney at law. Can't wait, dude. Did you know that you have rights? The Constitution says you do. <laughs> God damn, what a scumbag. I can't oh, wait. It's gonna be good stuff. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Before we get into it, I'd like to thank everyone who's helped us get to 900 downloads on Podbean. We're so happy that you guys are enjoying the show. Thanks to our entire Filmgasm team, Austin Johnson, Caleb Leger, Josh Allred, Brianna Moore, and Ryan Leone. Here's to 1,000, now a very attainable goal. Oh, yes. Easy. Oh, hell yeah. We will be there. We will be there. So much fun. Yeah, thank you, guys. That's, like, really important to us, you know? Extremely. That Not that we're, you know, getting a bunch of listeners, that's not, but it's important that we, there's progress and that you yeah. guys are coming back, so. People care. Cool. You guys want to hear what we have to say, and that's, that's yeah. fucking great. Yeah, if people are coming back and want to listen, and, hey man, uh, throw some suggestions out there, you know? Yeah. We're here. We're, we, we want to, you know, create a conversation. Absolutely. And I think we've done that. Yes. <laughs> the Serpent and the Rainbow was released in 1988 and was based on the 1985 book, the Serpent and the Rainbow, a Harvard scientist's astonishing journey into the secret societies of Haitian voodoo, zombies, and magic by Wade Davis, an ethnobotanist who traveled to Haiti for the same reasons depicted in the movie. And an ethnobotanist is a scientist that studies regional plants and their properties. And here's an account of the true story that I found on 13thfloor.tv. And I quote... The storyline comes from the book of the same name by ethnobotanist Wade Davis, who traveled to Haiti to research the real case of Clairvius Narcisse, a supposedly real zombie. Feeling under the weather, Clairvius checked into a local hospital way back in 1962. Upon arrival, Clairvius began experiencing a host of ailments, including a fever, trouble breathing, and what he claimed were bugs crawling all over his skin. It wasn't too long after that, doctors pronounced him dead. Clairvius was buried a few days later. Everyone would have thought that to be the end of the story until one day in 1981, when Angelina Narcisse, Clairvius' sister, saw him walking down the street. A bizarre task, considering not one, but two American doctors had declared him dead back in 1962. That is fucking crazy. (laughs) That that even happened. Yeah, that's real life. We haven't got to what we're we haven't got to the movie yet. No, this, this is what happened. This is the true story. Wade Davis' real journey through Haiti introduced him to a type of black magic priest called a bukor. These bukors are said to possess the unique power of bringing the dead back as zombie slaves. In Clarivius's case, it was believed that a bukor placed him into a trance that fooled doctors into believing that he was dead. Once buried, the bukor dug up his body and sold him to a sugar plantation as zombie slave labor. Through his research, Davis believed that Clairvius was given tetrodotoxin powder through an abrasion on his skin. 
this powerful toxin from the pufferfish would have sent Clarvius into a comatose state that would have fooled doctors into believing he was dead. In addition to the pufferfish toxin, Davis also found that Detora, a powerful hallucinogen, along with ground-up human bone, were also common ingredients in zombie powder. Davis concluded that tetrodotoxin was key in causing a victim's initial death, but it was Detura which produced the amnesia and delirium which maintained them as zombies for decades. This real-life story became the basis, the basis for Wes Craven's magnificent voodoo movie. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, ground-up human bone, pufferfish toxin. <laughs> what the fuck? And it was this that... So, they weren't actually zombies, but they were, they were kind of tricked into thinking they were dead. Yes. And they, they were so... They believed in it so much that they thought they were zombies. Yeah. That's fucking amazing it's incredible yeah talk about source material yeah how do you how do you read that story and not immediately want to make a movie out of that yeah yeah exactly <laughs> had to be made had to be made i'm glad it was made by wes craven yeah jesus christ the movie was directed by horror legend wes craven the brains behind such horror classics as scream the last house on the left the Hills Have Eyes, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, this is our first one. All of these we plan to be to have as future episodes because... Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Certain horror directors will likely never get a Weird Shit Wednesday focus because we're going to talk about all of their films anyway. Craven is certainly one of these guys. He died in 2015 at age 76 of brain cancer. The horror community was never the same again. And yeah, it was... I remember a dark day Caleb texted me and he was devastated. The film stars Bill Pullman as Dr. Dennis Allen, a skeptic anthropologist who quickly becomes a believer in the worst possible way. Didn't we just talk about that guy? Yeah, we did. Spaceballs. Oh, yeah. Lone Star. <laughs> Another 80s classic. Here's a refresher. He played Lone Star in Spaceballs. He appeared in 2004's The Grudge. He's best known for his role as President Thomas Whitmore in 1996's Independence Day and its shitty sequel, Independence Day Resurgence. I love Bill Pullman, and I don't think he ever got his due. No, he's one of those. He's one of those guys. He's a fan favorite. You yeah. know what I mean? Character he's, actor. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a name that you can appreciate if you've really seen the work. And yeah, I, I really like the guy. And this is probably my favorite role of his. This is his third movie. It's incredible. Spaceballs and Ruthless People was those are his first two. Yeah. And then Serpent in the Rain. And then this. Oof. And the guy's just been doing whatever the hell for years. Still yeah. getting quality work all the time. Really wish he hadn't taken Independence Day too, though. Such a terrible movie. Yeah, well, I, yeah, that shouldn't have happened altogether. Such a waste of money. Yep. It <laughs> happens. Ugh. Kathy Tyson plays Dr. Marielle Duchamp, a local doctor who falls in love with Dennis and becomes a target by the Haitian secret police for helping him. Tyson appeared in a lot of TV, mostly British TV, and she had her film debut in 1986's Mona Lisa, where she played a prostitute alongside Bob Hoskins, Robbie Coltrane, and Michael Caine. So, pretty solid cast. I'm going to have to see that movie. Yeah. <clears throat> Zakis Mokai plays the evil, sadistic leader of the Tauntaun Makut, the Haitian secret police. His name is Petrode. Petrode is fucking terrifying. And yes, he is. Mokai's performance is stellar. He's probably my favorite part of this movie because he's so fucking soulless. Yeah, he's creepy. Pure creepy evil. as hell. He's like that kind of scary that... Ah, uh, just keeps you up at night, man. He's he like you just like look under the bed. Fuck, there he is. Yeah. You know that kind of. He's character. the boogeyman. That kind of character, yeah. <laughs> Where he's like, I'm going to make you scream louder, louder than you've ever, you know, than that kind of fear that you think of. Like yeah. that's the worst. I'm going to go further than that. This Crazy. man has no human limits. Like he no. will do anything. Yeah, he'll go further than your mind can even go. Yeah, he further will kill you in death. If that even makes sense. Yeah. He will we'll, kill your soul. We'll get to some stuff that, yeah, he does, man. It's insane. <laughs> Mokai was a Tony Award winning theater actor who appeared in films like Waterworld, Outbreak, A Dry White Season, and episodes of The X-Files and Monk. He died in 2009 at age 75 of a stroke. Oscar nominee Paul Winfield plays the ordained voodoo priest Lucien Celine, who, is, who has power in Haiti, but still fears Petrode and the Tauntaun Makut. Winfield was nominated for his performance in 1972's Sounder, and he also appeared in The Terminator, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Cliffhanger, and Mars Attacks as General Casey. I fucking love Mars Attacks. And I immediately recognized him as General Casey. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the first victim of the Martian invasion. 
We gotta do an episode on that someday. We will. I can't. We will. Oh, yeah. So great. Winfield died in 2004 at age 64 of a heart attack. Brent Jennings plays Louis Mozart, the voodoo practitioner who makes the voodoo powder for Dennis and pays for it with his life. Jennings appeared in Moneyball, Witness, and a ton of TV. He's still working and he's still alive, which is great. <laughs> and I just watched Moneyball, so it's really weird that we would get that connection. It's super random that you watched like those two <laughs> movies in the same week. Oh, yeah. it's so strange. Awesome it's... movies, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Conrad Roberts plays Kristoff, the first zombie who returns and talks to Dennis, later rescuing him from the graveyard. Roberts appeared in The Mask of Zorro, The Scorpion King, and recently in A Wrinkle in Time. Finally, Michael Goff plays Schoonbacher, who is Dennis's sort of middleman between himself and Biocorp Pharmaceuticals. Not really clear who he is in this movie. He's just kind of there. Yeah. Goff is famous for his role as Alfred Pennyworth in the first four Batman films by Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher. He also appeared in Sleepy Hollow, The Age of Innocence, Out of Africa, and The Boys from Brazil, among others. He died in 2011 at age 94 of pneumonia and prostate cancer. The Serpent in the Rainbow was a success, grossing $19 million on a budget of $7 million. It has an IMDb score of 6.5, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 64%. The music was done by Brad Fidel, who was famous for his Terminator score, and the film's score actually has the same rhythm. And it really bugged me. <laughs> it's the same exact dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Like, that exact rhythm is in the score for The Serpent and the Rainbow. Yes. It's really lazy. <laughs> the guy knew, knows what he's good at, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's his niche, man. That's his niche. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I still I love the Terminator theme. It's one of my favorite scores. Before we get started, I want to talk a little bit about the Tauntaun Makut. The Tauntaun Makut was a secret police unit created in Haiti in 1959 by dictator Francois Papadoc Duvalier. In Haitian, the word Tauntaun Makut translates to Uncle Gunnysack, a local boogeyman feared by children. So their name literally translates to the boogeyman. They were created to keep the peace in Haiti after a failed coup in 1958. Duvalier used them to round up and execute anybody he saw as a threat to his regime. The Tauntaun Makut were a lot like the Russian KGB under Joseph Stalin. They were the ones you did not cross, you never got on their bad side. If you were deemed even a possible threat, you were never seen again. <sighs> Forget about the Haitian genocide. Like that they were a that country's been in serious turmoil for a very long time. Oh yes. And uh, after the end of the Duvalier dynasty in 1986, the Tauntaun Makut remained active, and they spawned a number of paramilitary groups in Haiti, such as the Front for the Advancement and, Pro and Progress of Haiti, or FRAP. They eventually disbanded in 1994, but the legacy of the Tauntaun Makut lives on in the thousands of broken families and wounded souls it was responsible for. And it's weird how this movie really ties into Haitian history. It's like almost perfect. They actually used real footage of uh, uh, Duvalier's son escaping with nine hundred million from the country's treasury. Because what a fucking son of a bitch! Oh, Haiti. Yeah. Well, oh, man. I mean, like you said, it's a country that's been in turmoil. It's a definition of a third world country. And boy, oh boy, it's it's amazing to see a movie like a horror movie, yeah. a Wes Craven movie, mm -hmm. set in this in this time and. But like you said, like we've been talking about this so far, this whole episode is a, what a, what amazing source material stuff that not people would know about about this this nation that you know there's not a lot of movies set in Haiti. You no, know? and uh, there's some amazing stuff. I've actually I've actually been there a few times to Haiti uh, outside of Port-au-Prince, um, and you know voodoo is very real there. Like still, you know, I went after the earthquake in 2010, so I was in January 2010. Uh, my my father and I went um, like around March time, so a couple couple months after the earthquake, we went to like help out and we went to an orphanage and right across from the orphanage was a house where a woman lived and they would all call her like the witch basically, you know, mm -hmm. and she she would be chanting all the time. Like those are like seared into my brain, you know, the chants that she would do because I would sleep, you know, in this room that was upstairs in this orphanage. I would sleep in a room like my dad and a couple other guys that were working there. And we could hear everything she was doing, and she would do it all night, all day. You know, like she wouldn't stop. Like it was like not human. You know. Jeez. And so I was 
15, 16 when I was going there. You know, I've been there like five, six times. And every time that same lady would do that same thing at the orphanage. And it was a, it was like a mm, technically Christian run uh, orphanage. And I don't know exactly what she was saying, but those chants are like, yeah, like I said, they're seared in my brain. It's crazy. (laughs) It's really wild. So I like saw firsthand and, you know, so watching this movie, I was like, oh man, it's, it's just wild. It's been going on forever. It's part of their culture. Yeah. Um, one hundred percent. It's a religion there. Yes, yes. There you go. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's really a crazy place, and um, but at the same time, very beautiful. Uh, Haiti is a wonderful, wonderful country and very gorgeous. I've seen some amazing things there and some amazing people. Uh, I have two sisters who are from there. They're adopted from there. So Stefania and Sterling, shout out to you guys. I love you guys. It's Stefania's birthday today, which is crazy <laughs> that we happen to be talking about a movie that was, you know, set in Haiti. <laughs> so. Pretty wild, yeah. Anyways. Wow. <laughs> cool that you have some first-hand experience. Yeah, I would love to go back, man. I've been dying to go back. I, I, I got meningitis one time when I went there, and I haven't been back since. That was in 2012. Wow. So, yeah, I was 17. I got really, really sick. I was, like, in the hospital for a couple of days here. Uh, yeah, that was wild, but I, I place is beautiful, man. You know, there's wonderful, wonderful people, wonderful culture, but... With that comes also some darkness, just like in every culture. So, uh, unfortunately, that's what here we're what's that's what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie about so, voodoo. Yeah, yeah, it's, evil it's, voodoo. So, so let's get yeah, let's get back to the film and uh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's get into it. What do you say? Yeah, let's t- let's get into this. So the movie opens with an ep- with a title card that reads: In the legends of voodoo, the serpent is a symbol of earth. The rainbow is a symbol of heaven. Between the two, all creatures must live and die. But because he has a soul, man can be trapped in a terrible place where death is only the beginning. Talk about setting the tone. <laughs> this is not going to be a lighthearted film. <laughs> so, in 1978, a Haitian man named Christophe dies in a, in a French clinic. While outside, a voodoo parade marches past his window. The next morning, Christophe is buried in a traditional Catholic funeral. We see a mysterious man dressed in a suit who was outside Christoph's hospital window on the night he died. And as the coffins lowered into the ground, Christoph's eyes open and tears roll down his cheeks. The man has been buried alive. Frightening. That is my greatest fear, legit fear I have, like, anxiety about, that I will wake up in a coffin under the ground. Like you have a phobia of just, yeah. Like an absolute phobia. You can't escape, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've woken up in cold sweats to those nightmares. Like, it's it's a serious problem of mine. (laughs) I think it's, like, so far in the back of my head that I don't, like, it doesn't come up. But one day it will. One day it will. I'll have a nightmare where, yeah, I'll I'll do the whole sweat thing. And, yeah, it's not fun. It's just, I've seen so many movies where that happens. It's fucked up. I can't. It's a a fucked up image. It's not always Kill Bill where you can punch your way out of it. That's not how it goes, like, ever. Yeah, you're not Jack Sparrow in that coffin shooting, you know, you don't have a gun with you, you know? So, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. And then, then, you know, obviously here, the image of the tears is just like, wow. It's pretty powerful. It's a great way of showing us that he's alive. Not just that, but it also kind of shows he has a soul. Yes. Because, I don't know, just tears, it worked. Yeah. No, I really like that. It's, 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 uh, like you said, it's a great, great tone setter. The soul is very important to this movie. So seven years later, we meet Harvard anthropologist Dennis Allen in the Amazon rainforest. He's studying rare herbs and medicines with a shaman, drinks a potion, and has a very strange hallucination in the jungle where he's wrestling with a jaguar. And he sees the same man from Christoph's funeral, surrounded by corpses in a bottomless pit, which was freaky. Yeah, another frightening image to start this movie off. I was like, what am I getting myself into here? <laughs> Who is this guy already influencing Dennis's decisions? Yeah. Oof. So, he returns after getting lost in the Amazon, and he walks for like 200 miles and ends up in a town, which is kind of glossed over. I thought that was pretty impressive. That's very impressive and also very frightening in its in of yeah, itself. That could be its own movie, right? Tripping there. out and you have to walk that far just to like find a town. Yeah. Oh boy. No thanks. God damn. And Bill, he Bill yeah. Pullman. Oh. Bill Pullman. He goes to Boston and he's approached by a pharmaceutical company, Biocorp, 
And they're looking to investigate a drug that is used in Haitian voodoo to supposedly create zombies. The guy is very blunt about this. He's like, what do you know about zombies? Yeah, like, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> is that a conversation we're just going to have yeah. here? Yeah. Guy cuts right through the bullshit. It's pretty awesome. You want some coffee? <laughs> and Michael Goff is there, and he's like, no, trust him. Hear him out. See, that that's why Michael Goff is in the cast, is just for that. Just like, <laughs> uh, we just need a guy who's kind of, you know, has, you can pull some, you know. Has some leeway, you know, here in this scene. Because yeah. it's not it's not that impressive of a scene to me. It's kind of, like you said, it's kind of, like, glossed over. and just, It's your setup. It's your traditional yeah. horror movie yes. setup. While we had great images to start, it's like, all right, here's this mm. little bridge. Yeah, let's go. They always got to send them somewhere. Yeah, yep, yep. And the guy wants this Haitian voodoo magic powder that can create zombies. And the guy's very casual about this whole, like, oh, yeah. this guy was buried. He came back seven years later. Yeah, he's walking right, around. Right. So we want, yeah, go check it out. Yeah. Bring back that powder, and we're going to use it for anesthetic? It's very unclear what they want this for. I don't see how that works as a better anesthetic. All it does is, it doesn't even knock you out. You still feel everything. Like, all you just look dead. Yeah. That's a terrible anesthetic. It's the opposite of what anesthetic should do. <laughs> but, I don't know. They're they're the million dollar pharmaceutical company. <laughs> So they provide Alan or uh, with funding, send him to Haiti, which is in the middle of a revolution. Not the best time to be an American in Haiti. No, no, no. no. Where he sticks out from, like you can see him from hundreds of miles away. Yeah, good old Bill. He's the tall, lanky white dude. The floppy hair. Yeah, yeah. it's Lone Star. It's Lone Star. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so he goes to talk to Doctor Marielle Duchamp, and. Wants to know about Christoph, the guy who showed up alive. The dead guy. And they go to his graveyard, and they find him. And first, uh, Dennis is like, this is horse shit. I don't believe any of this. You show me a body. And then he just wanders out from behind a gravestone. I love that. Oh, yeah. He's just like, you talking about me? Yeah. What's up, man? <laughs> you looking for me? <laughs> Jesus Christ, like Beetlejuice. <laughs> you gotta say his name three times or he's not gonna show up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And Kristoff's just like, yeah. What do you want to know? <laughs> I was dead. I came back. It's like, well, I want to know quite a lot. That's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my man. god! <laughs> and uh, he just tells you know he tells him I woke up and I remember nothingness and there's he took my soul. And they're like, who took your soul? And he gets arrested. Dennis gets arrested later on, and he meets the commander of the Tauntaun Makut. Yes. Captain Petrode, the same man from Christoph's funeral and Dennis's vision in the Amazon. And Dennis doesn't acknowledge that. <laughs> that bothered me. I Yeah, that that's a sign. Yeah, like, I've seen you before in a vision I had in a completely different continent. That should be mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> And he just, you know, gives him a, he straight up says, you, you need to get out of Haiti. We don't want you here. And I'm only going to tell you once. <laughs> Dennis is like, okay, I'm going to ignore that and keep looking for my powder. Uh, <laughs> hey, this complete opposite of what I would do. No, oh, man. If I get arrested by the fucking secret police of any country, I'm getting the fuck out of there immediately. I don't <laughs> care what's at stake. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's how rational people think, man. And this is the equivalent of getting picked up by the KGB. That's bad news. Well, it is a horror movie, so there's got to be some bad decision-making going on, right? <laughs> there's always, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Dennis keeps going, looks, uh, continues his investigation, and he finds a local man, Mozart, who's reported to know how to make this magic powder, this mysterious zombie-making stuff. And he says that he will, te he will give Dennis the powder... 400 bucks. And Dennis is like, hmm, well, how do I know it's real? And so Mozart feeds this powder to a goat, and the goat keels over and dies, and he's like, what more proof do you need? And Dennis is like, well, you gotta bring it back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come on, buddy. I can kill a goat, too. It's not that It's not that cool. <laughs> so he marks the goat's uh, hoof Make sure it's the same goat. Returns the next day. And uh, he says, all right, 
so the price is 500 for the for the good stuff the real stuff and i love that <laughs> he pays for it and then pours the powder in a drink and chugs it to embarrass the guy and everyone's like fuck <laughs> what what did you just do <laughs> and he's just like it's piss and walks out are you kept, sure about that? I was wondering, like, when is the other shoe dropping here? <laughs> but then it's revealed he had a sleight of hand. He tricked him. He was actually going to sell him rat poison, but he did a little sleight of hand, got some, like, you know, crushed up Skittles or something. And uh, <laughs> Mozart's like, all right, you didn't have to do that, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give you the real stuff. It's going to cost you a grand. And Dennis is like, all right. Mozart's like, but there's a catch. We have to make it together or else it won't work. He's he's into this. Like, he believes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone believes it. And, of course, <laughs> Dennis is picked up again by the fucking Tauntaun Makut. And this time, they don't ask politely. Oh, no. <laughs> they... <laughs> it's so fucked up. Petro brings Dennis onto this chair, straps him, strips him down, and says... You had your chance. Yeah, I'm going to make you scream. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he hammers a fucking nail right through his scrotum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <sighs> to paint a picture, this is the most frightening part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. He puts the nail into his scrotum. Mm. And then, you know, <laughs> and then uh, Dennis is screaming and he says, that's not loud enough. And then he hammers uh. it. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. They dump him on the street. Oh, yeah. They throw his ass into the curb. Say, leave Hades. Blood, blood in his boxers. It's yeah. just like, oh, no. I didn't know. Like, I, I didn't realize, you know, it was just like a hole through the scrot. I thought they'd done some serious damage. But he's just, he shrugs it off like, nah, they just, they just pierced the scrot. It's fine. Yeah, I'll be okay. Like, dude, what needs to happen to get you the fuck yeah, out of this country? Lone Star is, man, he's fucking tough. Yeah. Jesus. I Is there any situation where that's an okay warning where you're okay with that being your strike two? <laughs> no. no. That's no, I'd rather die. Oh god. Jeez. And he just like uh Marielle hides him on this little cabana on the beach and he keeps meeting with Mozart to make this drug. And he later has a nightmare. Dennis has a nightmare of Petrode. And of this really freaky, like, zombie woman approaching him in a boat, which was weird and creepy. That zombie woman comes up a couple times. Yeah. Really creepy visual. Just a recurring thing. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm here to freak you out again. Yes. Yes. Because even though this is inspired by a true story, this is still a Wes Craven horror film about voodoo, and there's going to be some liberties. There's some th- theatrics, yeah. It's oh, fun. yeah. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> and, um... Is that the dream where he has the nightmare where he gets uh, buried alive? Yes. And he's like, rise, he's covered in the blood. Yeah. And he sees Petrode up there. It's horrible. It's pretty horrifying. Yeah, when, the, when anytime blood is like kind of taking over a human body in that form, it's, yeah, it's, it, it gives me the EBGBs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. Oof. So, Dennis wakes up. Only to find he's lying next to Kristoff's sister, who has been decapitated. And that's when the Tauntaun Makut show up again. <laughs> they take pictures of Dennis in bed with a dead person and frame him for murder. Petro tells him to leave the country and never return, or he's going to be convicted of this murder and executed. And they throw his ass on a plane. <laughs> They're done. They, they, they nailed this dude's ball sack to a chair, and he still didn't leave. Like, this guy's got conviction. I'll give him that. Yeah, that's for sure. But what's his... I mean, he's doing this all so this pharmaceutical company can have a better anesthetic. There's no, like, emotional tie to this for no, him. No, no. Like, it's not like these guys killed his family or something. Like, I, that's the thing I thought this movie was missing, is there's no real reason for Dennis to need to suffer to through all this shit. keep going, yeah. Yeah. To keep going further. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Uh, other than yeah, curiosity. <laughs> curiosity may be a good check. I don't know. What... Adventure. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. You know, it's uh, <laughs> just wanting to be Indiana Jones. I don't know. 
don't know. Petro tells him he's a Bokor, and if he ever comes back here, he's going to steal his soul. Which is a pretty freaky threat. <laughs> I mean, that I would believe that if somebody told me that. Like, yeah. I feel like anybody who's crazy enough to say that to you is going to do it. <laughs> hey, uh, I agree. Oof. So, Dennis is on a plane, and Mozart comes out of nowhere and is like, you still want the powder? <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. He just Love that guy. sits down like, hey, I got it right here. Hey, man. <laughs> like it's cocaine, yeah. Hey, man. Here it is. He's wearing like a t- security t-shirt. Cowboy hat. <laughs> and they just... He's like, it's going to cost you a grand. And Dennis is like, they took all my money. And he's like, well, you just take it. <laughs> God damn it. That's a little convenient. <laughs> he tells him, all right, so you got to tell these guys about me so I'll be famous. <laughs> uh, taking a lot on faith here, Mozart. <laughs> Dennis agrees. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, you'll be famous. And he goes to Boston with the powder. He did it. But there's no way in hell this movie's over. Oh no! Can you imagine if it just ended right there? Like, well, he got it. <laughs> Guess we'll go home now. <laughs> so he goes to dinner with the BioCorp guy and Michael Goff and BioCorp guy's wife, and they're all just toasting this magic powder that they brought that Dennis succeeded in. And then all of a sudden, uh, BioCorp guy's wife freaks the fuck out, starts attacking Dennis with a knife. Well, that that part's crazy when she bites the glass. Oh, that was that freaky. she's drinking out of. Yeah, oh, man. starts chewing it. Yeah, that Jesus. that freaked me out. Oh, it caught Ooh. me off guard. <laughs> I know. I thought like you know this will calm after the storm. Yeah, the but movie's over. Nope, voodoo. Yeah, is powerful, man. Demons coming out of the soup and shit. Patriot is not done. Oh no, Dennis S- took a piece of his of his culture out of Haiti. Yes, and he's gonna pay. Well, he's just in his mind. Patrode's in his mind, yeah. like always. He tells him, like, I will get you no matter what, no yeah. matter where you go. It doesn't matter what country. I will be there. Yeah. Haiti Creepy. is with you. Creepy shit. Uh, God damn. Mokai, way to go. Uh, that's <laughs> That creepy smile, man. So Dennis knows the only way he can fix this is he's got to go back. So he goes back to Haiti. He's picked up by his friend, uh, Lucien Celine, who... It's kind of his only, like, saving grace in this country. Uh, Mokai owns everything else. And Celine is killed by Petrode in a voodoo ritual because his kung fu is not as strong as Mokai's kung fu. <laughs> and Mozart is also beheaded as a sacrifice because he dealt with an outsider and did it for fame, so he's expendable. So... Dennis, now out of friends, gets sprayed with the zombie powder. And this was so this was done so well. Oh yes. He's got he's just he's got the red like blood cross on his forehead. He's stumbling through this town. Nobody wants to even touch him because they know what happened. And he's just, you know, his heart's stopping and he just yells, Don't bury me. I'm not dead. Yeah. <laughs> God. Mm. And Petro goes to the uh, medical clinic and says, oh, I'll take care of all this. No need to call the embassy. I got this. And he just talks to to Dennis and says, I'm going to bury you and I'm going to steal your soul and you're going to be mine forever. Yeah, and you're going to like essentially watch me do it. Yeah. I, it's crazy because there's that shot basically where you're inside the coffin with with Dennis and you can hear him saying, I'll take care of this. And it, ah, oh, man. <laughs> Ah! Yeah, uh, it's just one of those moments where you're like, "No!" <laughs> I thought, now, I thought this is where the movie's gonna end. They're gonna, uh, he's gonna bury him alive, and that's it. And it's just gonna be one of those endings where you're like, "What?" Uh, yeah. uh, it would have turned into a classic if that would have happened, honestly. Yeah, because that would have blown me away. I like a bleak ending in a horror I, movie. I, yeah, I like, I just like something that just shocks me and is different. So. Yeah, yeah. So Petro takes Dennis to a graveyard where he's, you know, helpless in his coffin, and. <laughs> Dennis sees that Petrode has captured Dr. Duchamp and is going to sacrifice her. Just adding, you know, insult to injuries. Like, also, I took your girl and I'm going to kill her next. Jesus, dude. You beat the guy. Just let him die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, man. Like, the slight isn't even that bad. 
I feel like the people's reactions to things in this do not match the circumstance. Oh no, not at all. But no. that's okay. Patriot, it's, yeah, like, it, it's yeah. a horror. it's Wes Craven. Yeah, yeah, it's just how things go sometimes. <laughs> Patriot says Dennis that he took Celine's soul, has it in a canary, and then he throws a tarantula into the coffin to keep him company. Fuck you. And he nails down the coffin, buries him, and Dennis wakes up a few hours later and starts screaming. Oh, but then you hear frantic digging, and it's Kristoff. Christoph! Oh, I was so happy. Yes. Oh, he's like, we both, you know, he did it to both of us. You need to stop him. And Dennis goes to confront Petrode, but he's, you know, a little fucked up. He's been kind of almost killed. He's good. he's like half dead. He's nearly dead, like Princess Brad. But even then, he still wants to go back. Yeah. Get some more. I think now he's looking, he's trying to save his girl. Which makes sense. Yeah, now he's like, all right, yeah, the woman. Yeah, because they, they did have that. Uh, uh, it's not on here. It's not. They, yeah, they, they made love earlier in the movie, I guess, you know, and that's just, like, a thing that happened. And I, I guess that's his connection to to Haiti, you know, is now he's with this girl, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but... It's not enough. There's not He enough refused to... to leave before they hooked up. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there's not, not nearly enough development between them two for that to be what it is. Yeah, no. But, yeah, but I get your point. But it's there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He goes to the Tantan Makut headquarters to find Marielle, and during all this, the Haitian Revolution has happened, and the people are taken to the streets, and they're confronting the Tantan Makut. And Dennis defeats Petrode in a, in a kind of zombie battle of wills. It's pretty cool. It is pretty uh, pretty badass. Yeah. This yeah. could have looked so fucking cheesy, but it, it worked. Yeah. No, Wes Craven, yeah, was smart with this one. Yes, he was. And, um... So... He uh, he knocks out all the the canaries. He frees all the souls that uh, Petrode's been keeping locked up as like his power for years, and they are pissed and they rip him apart. It's fucking awesome. They just burn his ass, but then he like jumps through the wall or something and is yes. like, "I'm not done yet." And that was a little goofy. He's just like, "Ah." <laughs> And uh, he ends up getting strapped to that chair. <laughs> Dennis says, I want to hear you scream and nails the nail right through his groin. Yes. Fucking great. He screams and his soul, like he gets dragged down to hell. And the Haitian people celebrate the downfall of the Duvalier dynasty. Tantan Makut are, are gone. And Marielle proclaims the nightmare is over. Yes. But is it? So I think Dennis is never going to be right again. No, never. He's been dead. <laughs> he was his home. He was almost there a zombie. So many things horrible happened to him in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end, we get a title card that reads that the mystery powder continues to be analyzed by scientists in Europe and North America, but nobody can quite figure out how it works. But it does work. So and many questions. That's fucking frightening. Yeah. It is. Like, how real was this? Probably not. I would say maybe like 60-40. Cuz I doubt yeah, that yeah. the author of this book entered into a battle of wills with the leader of the Tantan Makut. That probably didn't happen. But I mean, it was a badass ending for the movie. Yeah. The powder probably worked. Yeah, probably happened. Yes. <laughs> yes, there you go. There's documents of that prove that the guy who died came back 7 years later and was just walking around. Yeah. Which is pretty fucking terrifying. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Serpent in the Rainbow. So let's talk some filmgasm facts. Hell yeah. Number one. The CD soundtrack to this film is extremely rare as it was pressed in limited quantities. Part of this was due to the film's poor release and the fact that the market was transitioning from LP to CD as a mass format, meaning that the number of copies is much smaller than an average soundtrack album run. So if you ever find a CD of the Serpent in the Rainbow soundtrack, hold on to it because it's worth a pretty penny. Hell yeah, that's really cool. Number two, due to political strife and civil turmoil in Haiti during the production, the local government informed the film crew that they could not guarantee their safety for the remainder of the shoot. The crew subsequently relocated to nearby Dominican Republic to complete filming. Oof. <laughs> crazy that this could have turned into something really even worse. Yeah, which is <laughs> a crazy thought. Number three, and this is pure Hollywood right here, 
Author Wade Davis agreed to sell the book rights on the condition that Peter Weir direct and Mel Gibson star. Neither had any involvement in the project. <laughs> ah! <laughs> That's what Hollywood does, man. Oh, they, boy. Their contract is always a little bit more tighter than yours. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Ah, oh, so sad. So, what do we got for our Friday's bonus? Friday's bonus, we're going to stick in the uh, voodoo realm and go with a uh, James Bond film, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Uh, 70s classic, yeah. This is one that I hadn't seen, so I'm looking forward to talking about it. Very much, yeah. Roger Moore's debut Bond film, 1973, one of his best, and a really fun movie that does deal with themes of voodoo. Hell yeah. So, yeah, look for that on Friday. And let's take a look at what happened this week in film. It's been a very interesting week. Yes, indeed. First up, Noah Hawley has been hired to write and direct the long-awaited fourth Star Trek movie. Hawley is the creator of the Fargo TV show and a great out-of-the-box pick to continue this epic franchise. The cast from Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, and Star Trek Beyond is expected to return. Yes. So, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, looking forward to that. Now, he did, Noah Hawley did direct this movie, Lucy in the Sky, that came out earlier this fall. That flopped completely. So that's not a good sign, mm. but obviously this is a much bigger name, much bigger, you know, franchise type thing, so. True, but then you remember uh, a couple of years ago when Colin Trevorrow's uh, The Book of something, Book of Henry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It flopped yeah. so hard they took Star Wars away from him. True, true, yeah. And he had already done Jurassic World? So who knows? Yeah, things but, can change. Yeah. I don't know, I, what? He had already had the job and then that movie flopped? So yeah, he'll be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Noah Hawley, they already know about the flop. Yeah. So I think the yeah. flop is the the flop is they're well aware of the flop. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's all good. I think this is going to be very interesting. Yeah, no, I, I of course I'm a big fan of No Holly. My biggest question with this, where does this leave Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek? No idea. I'm totally fine with that because I want him to do something completely different. You know, I wouldn't want him to do something like that. Really, Especially if it's going to be his last film. I know. I don't want him to end on a fucking Star Trek yeah, movie. I want him to do something just wacky and different, entertaining, and original. I'm like okay always. with him doing a Star Trek movie, just not as his last movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. I would rather that be in the middle of his, you know, yeah. prime than exactly. at the end. Next up, Dexter Fletcher has announced a new spin on the Dracula story with Renfield, a movie about Dracula's psychotic servant who moves about in the daytime. The script is being written by Walking Dead co-creator Robert Kirkman and Rick and Morty writer Ryan Ridley. And I... Why can't they just fucking do Dracula? (laughs) Why do they always gotta do some weird spin on it? Dracula's servant, or Dracula's daughter, or Dracula the true story, but not really. Just do Bram Stoker's Dracula. Don't make it like he's in love with... Uh, Mina, none of that shit. Just do the goddamn book. It's right there. Oh, man. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've never seen a decent Dracula. Never. Oh, no. No, it doesn't exist in my... As far as I know. No. no. Bela Lugosi, I thought it was boring. Gary Oldman's, I thought it was ridiculous. And anything since has fucking sucked. So, I, I don't get it. <laughs> I, am, I have very strong feelings about this. <laughs> Rightly so. Ugh, it's the original vampire story. You'd think that they, somebody would have tried to do the book by now. Yeah. Ugh. There's no love story. He's a monster. He's not a romance. Like, he's not a romantic. He's a fucking parasite. He's a goon. Yeah. He's a demon. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, boy. Well, I'm still going to see Renfield because I'm Hollywood's bitch. Are we all? <laughs> yes. Are yes, we, we are. all? <laughs> Next up, Jared Harris is reportedly returning as Professor James Moriarty in the upcoming Sherlock Holmes 3, alongside Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. The film is set for release in December 2021, and it's being directed by Dexter Fletcher. I am excited as hell. Me too. I've been waiting for this for a long time. It'll be 10 years. That's insane to think about. And I'm so excited that Jared Harris is coming back to play yeah. Moriarty. Hell yeah. He was he was so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such a great choice. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. More excited than I have been, yeah, like you said, 10 years. I really hope that it's not a flop due to franchise fatigue, because it very much, very well could be. It's possible, yes. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible we've seen within this past year, but uh, the box office is not always nice to you. No. <laughs> it's fickle. Mm-hmm. Oscar nominee Michael J. Pollard has died at age 80 of a heart attack. 
He was nominated for his role in 1967's Bonnie and Clyde, and he also appeared in Scrooged, Tango and Cash, and House of a Thousand Corpses, among others. He will be missed. Indeed. Rest in peace. Loved him in Bonnie and Clyde. I love him in Scrooged. Herman. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> he thinks he's he thinks Bill Murray's Richard Burton. I fucking love it. Will you please just do a couple of lines from Hamlet? <laughs> that whole scene is fucking great. <laughs> Next up, John Turturro has been cast in The Batman as notorious gangster Carmine Falcone, previously portrayed by Tom Wilkinson in Batman Begins. Could you fucking ask for a cooler combo? Get dropped in the episode. It's over. Jesus. I'm so excited, man. This is great. This movie is shaping up to have the coolest yeah. indie cast well, and ever. Just, and just, just the possibilities, you know, I'm thinking I'm thinking big picture. Like, whoop. The possibilities of these cast members that are now in this like DC universe... Holy shit! You know the, the the possibilities now. Now that we know Todd Phillips is like, hey, fuck it, I think I can make a billion more dollars. And Joaquin's like, ah, that sounds nice. Yeah, I think I can do that too. He could be. Who knows what's gonna happen? You Joaquin know, could be Pattinson's Joker. <laughs> yeah, and, and like Turturro, <laughs> if I can have Turturro and Joaquin on the screen together. Mm, you got boy. Andy Serkis as Alfred. Mm-hmm. You got Paul Dano as the Riddler. You got mm-hmm. Colin Farrell as the Penguin. You got Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. You got Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. I mean, come on! Yeah, holy it's, shit, it's, man! It's game, it's game time. They could, they could be, they could be planning something big. This could really be the cool. coolest Batman franchise we've ever had. Let's, uh, you know, let's keep our hopes up. Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I want, you know, we've seen one film so far in there, in their big, in their big plan. We'll and we see, don't even know if that's part of it. Exactly. We've just seen yeah. Joker, and that could just be a standalone thing. We'll see. Hopefully not. I hope it all. I hope it all. They figure something out there. But. The opportunity here is just. But we'll see. But this is great news. John Turturro, awesome. <sighs> Obviously, an actor we both adore. Oh, you know, he's, yeah. he's a guy that's worked the Coens for ages. He's in movies that we both love. At Quiz Show, you know, uh, we we adore him. He's been in a lot of TV shows, and yeah, I I can't wait. Can't wait for what they're going to keep doing. Fuck yeah. Next up, there's a Michael Jackson biopic in the works from the producer behind Bohemian Rhapsody. The Jackson estate has greenlit the project, so don't expect the story we all want told. Expect a whitewashed, hero-worship-style biopic that glosses over the recent allegations of sexual abuse towards children. So, yeah, this movie's probably going to be extremely soft. I'm not seeing it. Yeah, there's (laughs) no way I'd see that. No. And there's no way the Jackson estate would ever greenlit the movie that needs to be told about Michael Jackson. Well, there's a reason it's happening. Uh, Just, like, what, not not even a year ago, that HBO documentary came out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, there's a reason. It's like what what amazes me is that this can happen. These allegations can happen. There's like serious proof, and yet like his music plays at like grocery stores, and it's like, hmm. I don't know if we feel the same way about like other actors or other performers, or other people. It's like, why does Michael Jackson get this like pass? Is it because he's passed away? I is think it, it is. Yeah, that doesn't seem right to me. It's because he's dead and because he was so influential. Okay, then we either need to leave him be, let him. Sleep in peace and be dead, and like respect that and be like, okay, it's over. Or because yeah. th- this whole like rehashing and like, oh, he's guilty of all these things, and then and then there's gonna be a movie that's like like you're saying, kind of whitewashed. This, that's bullshit, man. Like, come on, let's uh, either tell the truth or like leave it be yeah. and let let him be dead. You know, um, it's just mm-hmm. hard. It's really frustrating. Yeah, I, I don't get me wrong. I adore some of his music, you know, uh, but I'm not saying that movie. No way, no way. This is not cool news to me at all. Yeah. I also don't like Bohemian Rhapsody, so it's like. Y'all are making another movie? Great. Have fun. <laughs> and who are they going to get to play him? Who's going to do that? Are they going to do, like, black Michael Jackson or white do, Michael Jackson? Or is it going to be Rami Malek? <laughs> <laughs> Remember a few years ago, Joseph Fiennes was playing Michael Jackson in, like, a TV thing? That apparently was so fucking offensive, they pulled it. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, making this movie is offensive to some people. So <laughs> there's people who are on that documentary saying this is true, who like said that lived through it, you know. And you're making a movie, yeah. It's just weird. It just seems like an odd thing. Pretty goddamn tone deaf. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. A, there. You go. That's a great way to put this it. Is really the movie we need right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh. Next up, Henry Cavill has come out and said he may not be done playing Superman after all. Hey. He said, "Quote." The cape is in the closet. It's still mine. I'm not going to sit quietly in the dark as all this stuff is going on. I've not given up the role. There's a lot I have to give for Superman yet. A lot of storytelling to do. A lot of real true depths to the honesty of the character I wanted. Uh, a lot of true depths to the... I don't... 
I don't know what he said. I want to reflect the comic books. Come that's on, Im- Henry. That's important to me. There's a lot of justice to be done for Superman. The status is, you'll see. Well, it sounds like somebody saw Joker. <laughs> and was like, oh, I think I want to work with Todd Phillips. So this isn't failing after all. All right, I'm in. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, who wouldn't? Who would be like, fuck, I can, I can be in something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Why couldn't I... I would tot- this team. I want to see Pattinson's Batman with Cavill's Superman. They don't have oh, to yeah. fight, but they should be part of something. I have no problem with Cavill's Superman. I, I like it. I think he's totally fine. I just think the other movies are not. They're not really well. for him to do anything. I yeah. agree. Yeah. They, they made him too much of a god. Y- yeah, and it, yeah. No, I have a lot of thoughts on those. Well, <laughs> and there is like that element of you know, like he is a god. Basically, Superman is a god. Yes, yeah, but he's also him. Clark Kent, and that part never got explored in no. the Man of Steel universe which is a shame because i think that's the most interesting part of superman is he's he doesn't want to be a god he just wants to do the right thing he yes. is just another you know just a guy he's just like a hero who happens yeah. to be yeah. extremely powerful yes but you know maybe we'll finally get to see that side of superman yeah and that'd be great if henry was with this mix of yeah of people yeah. take what's what works and keep it kick out what fucking didn't work yeah, yeah. that's yeah sounds good to me kick eisenberg and leto to the curb embrace Phoenix and get somebody like Brian Cranston to play Lex Luthor. Like, yeah, come on. That's what we need. We oh need God. badass, billionaire, 50-year-old, pissed-off Lex Luthor, not, you know, Zuckerberg in a ball cap. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Jesse. Just bad, bad choice. No, we don't love you, Jesse. Oh, I do. Oh, I don't. Oh, boy. No, no, no. Yikes. Sorry, Jesse. I, I adore you. I think you're a great actor. But... I think you have played Columbus the, like more, more than twice. I'll just say that. <laughs> I'm not a fan of people who are one-trick ponies, and I think he's a one-trick pony. Go see Art of Self-Defense. Oh, no, it's... Yeah, check it out. It should be on something now. Social Network's one of the best movies of the past ten years. <laughs> it was good. Uh, I think it was great. <laughs> and I think he's a big reason why. Eh. All right. Agree to disagree for now, but we're tabling that. End of the tour? You seen that? No. Oh, yeah. Maybe you haven't seen the right things yet. I haven't seen Art of Self-Defense. That's this movie that just came out this past summer. I like him a lot. Yeah. See, but the reason I didn't see those things is because I'm not a fan of Jesse Eisenberg to begin with, so I'm kind of in a circle. Here. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> oh, boy. Finally, the set of Star Wars Episode Nine had a severe security leak after one of the film's super secret scripts ended up on eBay. Apparently, one of the actors left the script on, the, on their hotel bed, and it was found by the cleaning crew, one of whom put it up for auction on eBay. Disney managed to buy it back before it was released to the public, but somebody is in big fucking trouble for this one. This could have been a huge disaster. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. I'm, lo- I'm happy the guy was greedy and didn't just post all the pages on Facebook, because that could have happened. <laughs> you imagine you're just scrolling through and the whole entire fucking script for Star Wars is right there? Oh, I'd be pissed. <laughs> That's all for this week, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to subscribe or leave a review on iTunes or shoot us an email at filmgasm at gmail.com. We always welcome feedback. Next week, it's Weird Shit Wednesday once again as we dive into the Harry Potter franchise. We'll talk about how J.K. Rowling came up with the idea and the multi-billion dollar film franchise that came out of it. Don't miss it. Until then, don't screw with voodoo. And try not to let anything escalate to the point where you get a nail hammered through the scrote. That's just bad news. See you next Wednesday. Peace.